0: Welcome to the Late Whistle Podcast. I'm John Fontanelli. It is the peak, the prime of basketball season in 2020. I'm joined by my man, Andrew Idell. Andrew, say what up.
1: How's it going out there in the bubble world, everybody?
0: <laughs> it's a bubble world. <laughs> I, um, last time I did this podcast was before the NBA season started or like the week of. And last time you and I were on this podcast together was basically before the playoffs last year.
1: Yeah, I think it was like a week or two right before they tipped the playoffs.
0: Yep, and we still haven't gotten a chance to take a victory lap collectively for how much we loved the Toronto Raptors, all the great things we said about Kawhi Leonard on that podcast.
1: Yeah, I remember uh, I picked him over Giannis as more faith than I had in him, and it actually came to fruition.
0: Yeah, we both had him as the best or the most trustworthy player in the Eastern Conference, and that was proved out. You and I got to watch some of that series together in New York at a bachelor party. I won't talk about the other things that make that party memorable, but that was <laughs> something I remember is being vindicated and saying, look at this dude, Kawhi Leonard, taking over the Eastern Conference. So feels good to still be riding high off of that correct call.
1: Yeah, we got a lot to do this year, though.
0: That's true, man. So we're going to get into just the seeding round, everything that was. We're going to talk round one of the playoffs, which starts on Monday. Super excited about that. Got a lot to say about that. Talk finals briefly, you know, as much as we can try to predict what a finals is going to look like in the bubble, assuming that it happens, fingers crossed. And then last but not least, we're going to rank the top 10 players in the league right now. I think it's going to be a really fun exercise. Um, yeah, buckle up for that one, because that, <laughs> who knows how, uh, how different our list might be and, <laughs> and kind of where that conversation a might go. A lot
1: of blood, sweat, and tears went into that list. I will tell you that. It's a, it's,
0: I'll just say one thing about that. The further you get down the top 10, the harder it is. Like, ranking the guys outside the top five is really tough. So I'm excited to kind of talk through that with you uh, and maybe yell about some stuff (laughs) to argue at each other for a while. Um, Let's get into it, man. I mean, the seeding round, eight games. What's your biggest takeaway coming off off of the seeding round, Uh, the little March Madness slash Summer League style quarantine tournament that we all just kind of got to enjoy?
1: So, yeah, I thought the most macro thing that i enjoyed about it was how even with the lack of fans even in those close games you felt the intensity and i was actually watching a game you know last week with the lakers the kuzma game where he hit the game-winning shot and you Mm -hmm. could hear the players really like cheering each other on and you could never hear that in a normal game and that was just something i took away from the bubble experience because going in i never thought it would be that entertaining
0: it was wildly entertaining i mean the seating round itself there was such an unevenness in terms of who was going to play, who was going to try, which teams had something at stake, which teams didn't, which teams that had something at stake were go- actually going to show up, and which teams that had nothing at stake like were surprising people. Uh, but you're right. In those close games, there was a real intensity there. And what we saw this past week was a playoff intensity, unlike anything we've ever seen because of this unique setup. And I'm with you, man. I mean, in terms of just like the stakes... And the uh, performances, because that's really what it is. It's entertainment. And these guys are performers. And the performances were left nothing to be desired. They were as good as you could ever want, especially, again, for a seeding round where there wasn't, like, a ton at stake, you know, other than, like, congratulations, you get the eight seed. Um, you know, you get to, <laughs> you get to play the, the best team in the league. Um, uh, the basketball itself, I thought in some ways was better because there's, like, this neutral site, right? These guys are able to lock in. There's no travel. The preparation for them, they can really settle into a routine. You know, it's, a lot's been said about how there was no fans or photographers, so they're flying out of bounds in every direction, and it's just like felt very like insular, which I think lended itself to better play, honestly. It,
1: in a weird way, do you feel like you you were on the court a little bit more with these teams? Like, it, I can't explain it, pinpoint it. Yeah, but especially with the Blazers, like I feel like I'm part of that team because it's so direct in your face you know like there's no distractions it's just basketball
0: Yes, I mean the cameras. Part of that is the cameras because they had that that like low angle moving camera, right? You can't do that in a normal arena. You can't just be that close and that low and get like a beautiful, intimate shot. And they had like sets of shots. But dude, I mean, you're talking about the Blazers, particularly CJ McCollum looked into the camera and like made a declaration after the game. <laughs> These guys are performing like they feel like yep. it almost is like they're performing like because there's no fans. It's just them like the people that are in the building and then the cameras, they feel that stuff. And so it's like, um, it's almost like more theatrical. It's like they're on stage.
1: It's a different, it's a different feeling these days, but I, I love it. I really do.
0: I love it too, man. And I mean, we'll talk about the basketball side of this, you know, obviously the rest of the way, but where my mind goes, when I think about what, what the NBA is showing and what maybe they're learning is that some sort of invitational tournament with no fans could be a part of the NBA schedule moving forward, kind of similar to like a summer league. And if you can make that make sense with stakes or with money or with just making sure the best guys want to show up, making sure organizations want their guys to perform. I don't know if it's a mid season tournament. I don't know if it's a play in tournament. They've talked about in the past, like doing something like this at Vegas, you know, with the bottom four seeds or whatever. But like it's just really great. <laughs> I've just been thrilled with the product. I I'm mean that it.
1: Memphis Portland game yesterday, give me a break. I, I... I was I couldn't sit down. It was so crazy. It was so you, you yeah. unless you're actively thinking that there's no fans and it's not the real game. It was fantastic. It was so good.
0: And I like the virtual fans. I think that's cool. I think, and I think
1: that mellow picture think, was awesome.
0: The, the mellow, yeah, that was <laughs> iconic. I think they're going to probably continue experimenting with the virtual fans and even trying to ratchet it up. Maybe for the playoffs, we'll see if like you start to feel two minutes left in a close game like a more of a pulse kind of, um, also with like the in arena stuff, right? Uh, Just trying to like, you know, those defense chants when it's that team's technically the home teams on defense, right? Stuff like that, that gives you that more, like a little bit more of a jolt and a little more of a playoff feel. Uh, Because obviously, um, again, you know, we're going to dive into the playoff part of this in a second, but that shapes the playoffs. That's what makes it feel like a playoff game is the crowd. Like that's, to your point, that's the missing ingredient. I didn't miss it that much either. We'll see if we miss it more deeper into this season. This you know as the playoffs you know, start.
1: It, it kind of depends on the player and the team too. Damian Lillard doesn't need a opposing crowd or a home crowd to like get him going either way. You know, so yeah, it's true. I feel like everyone's been watching so much Blazers lately that there's other you know games we'll get into the playoffs right. that you know you would want those home bases. You know.
0: Yeah, that's interesting because there are definitely players who rise to the occasion more based on that. And I always think about role players, I think, play better at home because mm-hmm. they feel the vibe of the crowd. And you make a couple big threes and the crowd's going nuts. That, uh, I think, can have an effect. To your point, the players on the teams have done that. And so that's been kind of a variable. Like, how much does your do your teammates cheer for you? That can affect the tempo and the vibe of a game. You look at what the Clippers bench, kind of the like you talk about Damian Lillard, like the way that they affected the whole, there's no crowd. It's just three guys <laughs> rolling over the side of the bench. And that becomes like the main story coming out of it. <laughs> yeah. It's um, like
1: pickup game, a pickup game with your boys back in the day. It's like, you yes. don't, you want them to shut up. It's not even the crowd, you know, <laughs> it's <laughs> right. like these dudes. It becomes deeply
0: personal. <laughs> <Exactly>. The character, <laughs> yep. the, the, the idea of a fan, the fans being this amorphous character is replaced by real characters that are involved that we know, which is. Yeah, I think it may, has made it awesome. Um, a, a couple top-line things just on hoops here. I'm um, looking at the stats from the bubble. The first thing that you have to say is there was one undefeated team. It was the Phoenix Suns. Shout-out Phoenix. They killed it. Their coach, their best player, their role players all stepped up. It's You fully realized what a real point guard like Rubio can do next to a guy like Booker. You realize like how many good young guys they really have put around Devin Booker and we'll see, and we'll see if they carry this into next season. And then you saw that Deandre Ayton is not just going to be the dude that got picked over Luka Doncic. He could be like a real all NBA. Oh,
1: he's guy. a real player, yeah.
0: Yeah, which there was some doubt about that and I'm you know, for Phoenix I'm happy to see that kind of put to rest. Mm-hmm. Um what else? I mean, other than Dame just going bananas. Maybe we'll save the Dame stuff for when we talk Lakers Clippers, but what else stood out to you from the
1: seeding round? I mean, some like the the no defense was killing me at certain moments you were
0: texting me about that all, like you're it's like you're like the old man shouting you know in, <laughs> at the clouds about defense
1: i mean it was in particular i remember texting you it was gary trent guarding Carousel vert and he had five fouls with about 5 minutes left and he like his hands were just down and it and he didn't want to foul out i get it but these defenses some like the dallas and denver and portland were awful to watch luckily those are three of the better offenses so it makes up for right. it But the no defense, and I think that has to do with this like underlying pickup mentality of the bubble, especially not playoff bubble. This was kind of just bubble, (laughs) you know? So the the bad defense, and then some of these players coming, not coming out of nowhere, but finding a home in the bubble, like T.J. Warren Mm -hmm. and Devin Booker, like Damian Lillard, just finding that rhythm, you know?
0: Yeah, it's interesting because... So many of the best players in the league who are in the bubble did not have any incentive to really give it their all. Guys like Devin Booker, John Morant, Damian Lillard were put in a very unique position, and they rose to the occasion. That was amazing to watch.
1: I apologize to John Morant for not putting him in that last sentence. Sorry, John. Yeah.
0: (laughs) <laughs> no, I know that's your boy. You also on this podcast last year said Ja might be better than Zion, which maybe <laughs> looks better now than it did a year ago. But that's a story for another day. But I mean, Ja, what he did yesterday, what he did throughout that period, even with Memphis losing people, Booker, what he proved hitting the shot, you know, going 8-0, Lillard, I mean, just doing something that no basketball fan will ever forget, um, you know, continuing to build basically a legacy and a career unlike any other career. Um, those, those are the individual efforts. Obviously TJ Warren, I think he averaged 30. Just those are the individual efforts that definitely stand out. The teams who said, and I'm thinking about the Brooklyn nets here who said like, we're just going to try our asses off every day. Really stood out.
1: Yeah. Let me tell all the people, Johnny is on the Brooklyn nets.
0: It makes no sense. (laughs) I just love the fact that they actually, um, haven't backed down at all from any challenge. And, uh, And they went five and three. In my mind, it feels like they went 50 and three because of the Herculean effort that they, I mean, Jamal Crawford comes out, he plays like five minutes. Everybody I feel like was just kind of rooting for the Nets a little bit. There was like a March Madness feel with them every time they were out there. Like, who are these guys? Uh, Or maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm the only one that's in love with the Nets, but I am in love with the Nets.
1: They're a hard team not to root for. They've kind of always been like that, especially last year too.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, the Kenny Atkinson thing still doesn't, I never really got an explanation for that other than uh, if the guys on the team wanted him there, he'd still be there. But Jock Vaughn comes in, half the guys in the that are in their rotation are really trying to prove that they even belong in the league. Karis LeVert's a guy we've heard about for a long time. He proved what he can do. He's the perfect guy, like prototypically the perfect guy that you'd want to lead your team, like just like a 6'8", strong scorer, you know, all three levels. And then pretty soon, assuming they come back healthy, he's going to be the fourth or fifth option. That's shit. Everyone else should be definitely very scared about that. Uh, but I mean, there were a lot of gambling moments where the bucks are like, whatever, 20 point favorites over the nets and Giannis plays 12 minutes and the nets win. I don't know what to take from that other than the nets played hard. And I don't expect them to apologize for trying to go toe to toe with whoever's out there every night. Yeah. Well, enough about the nets enough about the seating round, honestly. I mean, that, Ultimately, now we understand what type of basketball we're going to be seeing. The field is set. I think the other thing that we're understanding is that the all-day, everyday basketball thing is amazing. We're going to get four games a day, every day, basically for the next two weeks, which I'm thrilled about. So we're going to get into it here. We're going to talk through the eight first-round playoff series. The one thing that we did not do is decide what order we're going to go in. So I'm just going to start... With Lakers and Blazers, honestly. Like, where else can we begin? Dame is the star of the bubble. Uh, we're going to argue about how f- high at the top 10 he is later. The Lakers, the number one seed. Congratulations, you get to play Damian Lillard and the Portland Trail Blazers. The odds are Lakers minus 500 to win the series. The Blazers are plus 350. The most likely outcome based on the series correct score looks like the Lakers at, in five followed by the Lakers in six, and then the Lakers in a sweep. So Vegas thinks it's Lakers probably in five or six. How do you view this Lakers-Blazer series? Just off top, initial thoughts going in.
1: Initial thoughts, I put Lakers in six. Um, For some of the reasons I put on the Lakers side of this is that the Portland Trailblazers do not match up with LeBron James necessarily very well. There's no one who could really slow him down. If you want to try to put Mello, you know, he's always been a little slow-footed on defense. They're either undersized or oversized to bother LeBron, so that was one thing that really stuck out to me. Also, the Blazers' defense has been a turnstile in, in, yep. in the bubble. Their third-worst defensive rating, They're 1204 mm-hmm. And then another thing for the Lakers is playoff LeBron. Now, going for the Blazers, the reason why I said six and not, you know, four or five is that the Lakers do have trouble guarding the perimeter, especially with no no Avery Bradley and who knows when Rondo's actually coming back to play. I don't know if you know any specifics on that. And and then lastly, they have Dame Lillard, who is just unconscious, you know, averaging right. 30, 37 points in the bubble um, right. on 49%. He he's He's adapting to all kinds of defenses that teams are throwing at him. But I do think that the Lakers will prevail, even though the Blazers are a, a damn good eight seed. I will say that one of the best I've seen. So, I, I you know, I, I do stick with Lakers in six, though. What about you?
0: Lakers in six makes sense to me. I'm with you. I don't disagree with anything you said. I think that's all pretty reasonable. You and I talked not too long ago about the We Believe Warriors uh, from back in the day with Baron Davis and how they were not a real eight seed because of it was like injuries and they just got on a tear. That's how I view this Blazers team. Chuck said it the other night after the game, this is, they're a top four seat healthy with Nurkic, like that, that team, we know what that team is and they're probably still not better than the Lakers, but it's, it's a tough draw for the Lakers. Congratulations. You played the Blazers in the first round, <laughs> uh, who made the Western conference finals last year. You know, I know they had a bit of an easy path and the Warriors got the Rockets in the second round. But I mean people talk about Dame's playoff success. He was in the Western Conference Finals last year. CJ McCollum hit that shot, free throw line jumper to advance. That was last season. <laughs> these guys have like these guys have proven it to me. Um, you know, Nurkic, Whiteside, Gary Trent Jr is a revelation. If Melo's going to hit big shots, I got my Melo jersey on right now by the way.
1: Can we talk about CJ yesterday too? I just I didn't mean to interrupt, but the way he stepped up, you know, Dame was looking a little tired and you know, double teamed yep. the CJ really came through. It was great to watch.
0: So I have a bit of a hot take there. People are comparing Dame and Steph a lot now as like who, who really is better. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm going to punt that argument to next season. Let's get them both healthy mm-hmm. in, a, in the same environment and see who plays better. But it's a real argument now.
1: Oh, yeah, for sure.
0: Yes. Yesterday, I thought to myself, would you rather have CJ McCollum or Klay Thompson?
1: I would rather have Klay Thompson.
0: But CJ McCollum gives you a lot of reasons to think about it I agree. when he makes he, shots like that.
1: Of course, he's better, you know, creating his own shot. But Clay is like the ultimate three-point defense. You know, he'll buy. But he in. can't.
0: Yes, I agree, I, and and I agree, and I don't want to argue about this forever. But I think CJ McCollum does a lot of things that Clay Thompson can't do that win you playoff series. And one of those things he did yesterday, um, and like I said, he did it in the Western Conference playoffs last year. Uh, which is create your own shot. One-on-one Dame, get out of the way. Everybody else get out of the way. I'm getting you a bucket. And there's very few guys in this league who you can say that about who have brass balls to not only be able to take the shot, but to want to take the shot. So I have a lot of respect for CJ. And you talk about the Lakers, no Avery Bradley. Uh, they're going to have trouble staying in front of Dame. They're going to have trouble staying in front of CJ McCullum too, for seven games. So that's, to me is a bad matchup. The Lakers, um, they do have Danny green, KCP Caruso, um, those are bigger wing guys who you can throw at the guys we just named and Gary Trent. Um, So I think they, the Lakers do have a decent complement of role players. None of those guys really blow you away. Um, I mean, what we've seen from the Lakers ultimately is like a team that seems totally stuck in mud, cannot shoot, doesn't seem like they have a rhythm is trying to integrate new pieces is missing some key pieces. Uh, So it's hard not to think about, ways that they could get beat by a team like Portland who's had to prove it and had to like really like find out what they're made of and prove what they're made of um I ultimately I'm going to take the Lakers too but I think it really is when you the more you evaluate the series the real the more you really have to start to pick holes in this Lakers team and how much of a top contender they really are you know this is a team that was the number one seed but hasn't looked like it in this like chapter two of the season
1: can I ask you a trivia question for yeah, you. go ahead. Out of 22 bubble teams, where do you think the Lakers ranked in points per game?
0: Just offense, like points scored Poin- per game?
1: Yeah, points scored per game in the bubble.
0: I don't know, man. I mean, with the caveat that they didn't always play all their guys, and some of their games, they you know, uh, Deion Waiters might have been the best offensive player on the floor. <laughs> I'm going to say like 20th.
1: 21. <laughs> Unbelievable yeah. with a team with LeBron and AD. Uh, granted, you know, they did sit, but they played a uh, pretty hard in a lot of those games, and we were actually talking the other day about how the Kuzma shot. You could you could have thought that they won the NBA championship with the celebrations and stuff like that. So I think they yes. needed that more than a normal you know regular season or quote unquote bubble game. So it, it was pretty telling for me to see that.
0: Yes, they needed that win for all the reasons you're describing, just in terms of like spirit and confidence. But I think the the biggest thing that came out of that shot was like you can play Kyle Kuzma down the stretch in big moments and count on him to hit big shots, which I don't think you could say that all season confidently. If you're a Lakers fan. Now, does one shot make you think that it does because of dude, we've talked about it since last offseason. LeBron and AD are going to be on the floor. Who are the other three guys? You need to know who at least one or two of those guys are consistently. You can ride the hot hand if Caruso or Quinn Cook or Deion Waiters has it going, but you need Kuzma, KCP, and Danny Green to prove that they can be on the floor to make big shots. And the fact that Kuz made a shot on a, you know, an out-of-bounds, kind of out-of-timeout, running, catch-and-shoot, like you need those guys to win the championship. You just do. You need the Derek Fishers. You need the Ray Allens. That's where I look at that as like, I mean, I try not to put too much on it, but Kuzma's like one of the worst percentage three-point shooters on the team. He needs to be able to overcome that and make big shots and big moments.
1: So you had Lakers in what?
0: I'll take the Lakers in six. I think, you know, if last year's Clippers uh, can take last year's Warriors to six, this year's Blazers should take this year's Lakers to six. I have a couple like hypothetical, for instance, fill in the blanks for you before we move on. Okay, hit me. You're, you're Frank Vogel, okay? Okay. Hi, Frank. What's up? Um, your fairy godmother comes down and says, it's game seven. LeBron, you're down one. LeBron drives the lane. He kicks to the corner. Anyone on your team can take that shot other than Anthony Davis. You get to pick right now. Let me give you multiple choice real quick. A, JaVale McGee. <laughs> B, Kyle Kuzma. C, Danny Green. D, Contavius Caldwell-Pope, E, Alex Caruso, F, uh, whichever Morris is on your team, <laughs> uh, G, Jr. Smith, uh, or H, you yourself, Frank Vogel, because you don't trust any of those people will take the shot. <laughs>
1: uh, I think it would, I would pick, what was C, Danny Green, I think? I think it was C. Uh, <laughs> I, I would take Danny Green because I've been telling you for the last few weeks he is the definition to me as a hit or miss player. And, you know, when he hits, he hits. He's made so many big shots in his career. Who else on that team, you know, Kuzma hit that shot the other day. JR is, he's, he's a good shooter when sometimes, you know? So, you know, I would, I would go with Danny green reluctantly.
0: Danny green is the right answer. I think he's like, you said, he's the most proven playoff guy. He's swung finals games. He did it with the Spurs. He the did corner, it with Toronto. The
1: corner three is his shot too. So it, you know. the corner
0: three is his shot, one hundred percent. You want Danny Green, or Kyle Kuzma, or KCP to be taking and making that shot? I think. Um, I think those are going to end up being the guys. I think. I mean, I don't think JR is going to be the guy. He's you know he's been there with LeBron before, uh, for better and for worse with Cleveland. The Lakers have proven that without Rondo, and without Avery Bradley, they need Deion Waiters to create. That's basically very be their scary. backup point guard. That's
1: very scary. It's terrifying,
0: but that's the <laughs> that's where they're at. They the, you know, other teams have worse backup point guards. You know, you could debate uh, Deion Waiters' his ability versus his like production, uh, but he Yeah, they're going to need to rely on him a lot for that. I think The second, I don't have the stat in front of you, but I think the second leading assist guy on the team during the bubble was Anthony Davis. So they're gonna need him like Jokic style, I think, to make plays. Last thing on the Lakers before we move on. I looked up, I mean, before the COVID world came, you know, changed the basketball world, the Lakers beat the Clippers and the Bucks in the same weekend. I went back and looked at the box scores from those games just to see what is it, what does it look like when this Lakers team is beating the best other best teams in the league. Well, there's a few common ingredients. Let's start with the Bucs game because that was, I believe, that Friday. It was the earlier one. LeBron and AD combined for 67 points. That's where you need to start. Those guys need to bring it 60 points each plus, right? LeBron averaged 10 assists, led the league. Uh, So you know you need LeBron to drop 10 dimes. He had eight in that game. The, The third leading scorer on the team was Kuzma. They shot six of 32 from three and they won and they, and they won. Wow. Yes. So just, just as food for thought, granted Avery Bradley was plus 23 with two points on zero made field goals in 31 minutes. So I'm sure he did a lot to, of things that didn't show up in the stat sheet uh, other than making shots. And they will miss that for sure. Lakers, Clippers, I think this was a Sunday afternoon game right before, you know, the travel ban and the Rudy Gobert thing and all that. LeBron and AD combined for 58 points. Again, you need those guys to fill it up. LeBron, nine assists. Lakers, 10 of 35 from three, 28%. This is not a great three-point shooting team. Even when they're clicking, even when they're winning, they're not going to shoot the lights out. However, in that game, Avery Bradley, 6 of 12 from three. So Avery Bradley was supposed to be the dude. Yes, he was supposed to be the dude guarding the other team's best perimeter guy and making big shots. So I think the more you look at Lakers past success, the more you realize like he's a key guy. These other guys are going to have to step up. I think they will, but we'll see.
1: We'll see. I think that they'll get by the Blazers, but we'll talk, you know, next round going forward.
0: So I think that's a good segue to Rocket's Thunder, 4-5 series. The winner of this series, ostensibly the Lakers, would play either the Rockets or the Thunder, which is not going to be an easy second-round series, regardless of which team. Everything about this series, the fact that Chris Paul was traded for Russell Westbrook and just uh, James Harden, like all of this stuff just makes it such a juicy series. But beneath it all, it's going to be great basketball, I think. It's two pretty evenly matched teams. Again, the Rockets, minus 162 favorite over the Thunder or about a plus 132 Five favorite, which surprised me, honestly. Without saying too much, I think the Thunder should probably be favored in this series because we don't know about Westbrook. Maybe that says more about Harden than it does about Westbrook. I always like looking at the series prices for this. According to Vegas, the lowest price is Rockets in 7. The second lowest price is Rockets in 6, followed by Thunder in 7 by a wider margin. So Vegas is saying Rockets in six or seven. What do you think?
1: I have OKC in seven. I'm interested to see what you have, but I pick Thunder in seven.
0: Wow. Thunder in seven. I think it's going seven. I'm not, I don't know if I'm ready to make a pick yet. Make the case. No, you have to make a pick. I'm going to make my pick at the end. You make your case.
1: (laughs) All right. So when I was, uh, you know, picking these series in my head and doing some research, I would put pros and cons for each team. So these are my Thunder pros, you know. I like this. No Westbrook for the Rockets. Not knowing how many games exactly he's going to miss, um, that hurts the Rockets a lot. Another thing is Chris Paul is playing unbelievable basketball. He's found found the fountain of youth, and he's really inspired this Thunder team. He he's the head honcho on this team, and sometimes having that one guy, you know, the older veteran, he's the whole he's the president of the players. He's these guys can look up to him, and he's just playing awesome ball. Um, another yeah. thing is for the rockets who knows what eric gordon's going to look like you know these games every other day he's always been a little injury prone and he scares me a little bit and the other thing is the rockets are cold from 3 in the bubble i don't know do you know these stats have you looked them up in the bubble the rockets are attempting 53.6 threes per game unbelievable number yes they the are next all- closest
0: team is the jazz at with 42 40. so they're they're a whole league ahead of the rest of everybody else
1: out of those 53.6, they are making 17.5, and that comes to a 32.5 percentage, and that's third worst out of all 22 teams in the bubble. They are cold.
0: They're, I mean, w- would you say they're cold, or would you say like part of their strategy is like, we're just going to put up a lot of threes, and if we're a little inefficient, we'll make up for the fact that we'll make up for that with the fact that that three's worth more than two. And so it's not, they're not playing the efficiency game as much as they're playing the volume game.
1: They have to shoot better than 32% though. They have to, this is what happened a few years ago in that final game. You know, they have to shoot better than 32% in my opinion. Um, I'm
0: not sure, man. I mean, if you take a hundred threes and you make a third of them, that's 33 threes. That's a hundred points. If you take 50, I'm sorry, if you take 100 twos and you make 49% of your twos, that's less than 33% of your threes. I think they can be inefficient and game the math and win, honestly. Get out rebounded by 30, shoot 33% from three, but but just out-shoot the other team. So just pulled it up here. In terms of percentage, they were 24th in the league this year, including the bubble. Uh, all 2019-2020 all season, 34.5%, which is 24th in the league. I mean, league average is probably around 35%, 36%. Uh, Utah shoots 38% from three, and their offense sucks. So what does that tell
1: you? It tells me that you know the Rockets are going to shoot a lot of threes, and right. they're either going to make them or they're going to miss them. And that leads me to the only thing I have in the plus for the Rockets is they have the beard and he yes. was fantastic in the bubble he averaged 34 points 53% from the field unbelievable
0: yeah he looked great he's awesome
1: i think he's fighting an uphill battle though with his lack of help around him and i in a weird way i think it's chris paul's time to beat the rockets and you know get get some confidence going forward into the next round
0: Dude, I'm on the fence. I'm honestly on the fence. So, the way I think about this is like, if I have to bet on it, I'll take the Thunder because I don't know. I don't understand why they are such drastic underdogs. Like, to me, if it's like my overall philosophy on a lot of these four, five, and, and three, six matchups is just like, bet the underdog because there's no home court and weird stuff is going to happen. So, why not just get the better odds? But if I had to pick who I think is going to win, if I had to stake something on just like who's going to win, Thunder, Rockets, make a pick. It's, I think it's going to go seven. I think it's going to come down to who plays better in a game seven. And for that reason, I trust James Harden. The other, um, so I'll take the Rockets in seven. The other thing I'll say about pros for the Rockets, I don't think the Thunder know if they can play Steven Adams in crunch time. The Rockets know who they're going to be playing in crunch time, whether Westbrook's out there or not. They're like, we know what we're going to do. We know what we're going to run. If all of a sudden Chris Paul's running pick and roll with no Steven Adams, that kind of, he's kind of playing left handed a little bit. They don't, they can't do what they normally do. And so it's always going to be this chess match of, I mean, the Rockets aren't going to go big. They're not going to say uncle and put Tyson Chandler in. They're just going to play the way they're playing. And I think that there's a level of kind of consistency and predictability with what they do that, is works for and against them. But the Steven Adams variable to me is a big variable because that's one of the Thunder's best players, and the Rockets play this game of chicken with the other team's center every game. We haven't seen what that looks like in the playoffs yet.
1: Steven Adams is very important to that team too. So you're right. I mean, it's, it's going to be a chess match between Donovan and D'Antoni.
0: I think so too. I'm looking forward to it. I think it's going to be awesome. I think whoever wins that series could also beat the Lakers, assuming they beat Portland. Like, I... There's no home court. There's no home court. So the only thing that matters is just how you play. Mm-hmm. And to me that's going to um you know that's going to lend itself to itself to more variance and I think a lot of close games and a lot of close series and I think this might be the closest series. It's certainly the series I'm most excited about first round series.
1: Now, I want to get this in writing because I'm writing days all down. You have the yes. you, who do you have?
0: I mean, I'll tell you I'll be be rooting for the Thunder. I'm going to put money on the Thunder. If you ask me to make a pick, I'll take Rockets in seven. Okay. Westbrook comes back. Harden goes for 50. Steven Adams plays 20 minutes, (laughs) and the Rockets win game seven. Okay. Where do you want to go next? Which series? Um, So let's
1: go Clippers-Mavs.
0: Clippers-Mavs. I love it. The number two seed, LA Clippers, go up against the number seven seed, Dallas Mavericks. The Clippers are minus 500 favorites. Pretty heavy favorites. Dallas is plus 360. Again, looking at these series outcomes to try to decide what Vegas thinks is most likely. Clippers in five, plus 270, followed by Clippers in six, plus 310, and Clippers sweeping is plus 440. Dallas, for what it's worth, Dallas winning the series in seven, plus 800. Let's start with a fill-in-the-blank. Ooh. The Mavericks will beat the Clippers if...
1: Kawhi Leonard gets hurt. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I agree. Actually, my mind went there
0: too, injuries. But setting injuries aside, let's, let's say this. If the Clippers stay healthy, the only way the Mavs can beat them is if...
1: Ooh without having a funny answer here, I think it would be that the Clippers self-destruct in a way in the, the Clippers self-destruct because they don't know each other on a personal level, like they're mm. strangers playing basketball together, but listen, we'll, we'll, yeah, we'll get into that, but I, I, I don't think that's going to happen. Not even close.
0: I, I Let me fill in the blank. Assuming the Clippers stay healthy, the Mavericks can beat the Clippers if Luka goes to the level that we just saw Damian Lillard go to, which he could, and Porzingis becomes unguardable as a seven-foot-three knockdown shooter. Both of those things need to happen. Can I counter that? and some other things. Yeah, go ahead.
1: Luka is almost already at that level, but... It's a bad match. <laughs> it's a bad matchup for him, though. There's Kawhi and Paul George. It's a George. terrible, matchup. It's a the, terrible they,
0: matchup for any wing scorer. I agree.
1: The, it's you're going to take, you know, no one's going to stop Luka Doncic, but you between Kawhi and Paul George, they can really bother him, really bother him. And then, you know, if KP, you're going to put it all on and, KP. and Beverly and Beverly, by the way. Oh my Yeah, that's true.
0: Beverly will just annoy the shit out of him.
1: Yeah, I, I just don't. So, can I tell you who I have now? Yeah, go ahead. I have Clippers in five. Okay. So um, the reasons why were Luca is amazing, but as I just said, the versatility and the defensive know how of Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, I just I don't I don't see him thriving in any sort of way. You said KP. I love KP. But he's going to have to prove it. He's really going to have to prove that he is almost one A on Dallas and not B, you know. And I don't know if he's yes. going to do that. Um, also, Dallas can't stop anybody. They're the second worst in defensive rating in the bubble. If you watch their games, uh, I made a fortune betting the over in Houston Dallas game, one of those first ones, because neither mm-hmm. team can play defense, and <laughs> or I tries to try to, and I think that. With their awful defense and them getting in Luca's head, I think the Clippers can, they could find that they could find some chemistry, moving forward, uh, in these games against really talented players, talented offensive players, Uh, and we'll see where we go from there. I do have the Mavericks just winning one because Kawhi Leonard is never. (laughs) I don't know about you, how you feel about him? He's you know ultimate competitor, but he, I feel like he always takes like a game off in the series last year. Would Are they, they going to
0: do load management in the playoffs? They really might.
1: They might. That's the thing. Like with Kawhi, <laughs> he's, a, he's literally a robot. So it's like yeah. you can – I don't think he gets affected like that. I think it's the rest of the team around him. So I think that the Mavericks can score 130 in one game and Doc will just tap out. But I do think that if the Clippers really wanted to, I think they could sweep.
0: That all makes sense. I could probably go for Clippers in five. I'm going to go Clippers in six. Because I think Luka can have a monster game and KP could have a monster game. Those could be two different games. I also think the Clippers might rest all their guys in game four because (laughs) they just are trolling all of us. (laughs) And I also think it's the bubble. Weird stuff happens. And I am really leaning underdogs with a lot of this stuff because, again, what we know about playoff basketball uh, only applies in certain ways here. The Mavericks shoot a lot of threes. They could shoot themselves into some of these games. They have some spark plug guys like Seth Curry and Tim Hardaway who could give you maybe more than you expect. So ultimately, I think you're right, though. I'm going to go Clippers in six. So turning the page, last Western Conference series. Should we just knock out the West? Yeah, let's do it. It's the 3-6 matchup. Denver, the three seed, a minus 265 favorite over Utah. Utah plus 210. Now, as we're recording this uh, it's been announced today, Sunday, that Mike Conley is leaving the bubble. Uh, these odds have since changed. I've seen – I think yesterday Denver was minus 200, maybe minus 210. Like I said, they're now minus 265. I've seen them anywhere as high as minus 310. So, obviously, you know, Denver was already the favorite, and their odds have improved now that, um, that Mike Conley is going to be leaving the bubble. Not sure when he'll be back.
1: Now, can I, can I ask you a question? I know you're on that Twitter more than I am. What is the mm-hmm. – Audience response to Conley's decision. I have no problem with it. I don't know how you feel about it, but are people like getting on him for this?
0: Dude, I honestly haven't seen anyone, at least anyone who I care about or trust their opinion, criticize any player for leaving the bubble for any reason. Have you?
1: No, and that's the what? thing. Like, um, I've known in the past, you know, decades ago in professional sports, there were a lot of problems with this, but I think nowadays. Um, you, you know, no one's going to blame Mike Conley. It does kind of stink <laughs> for the Jazz. I will say that. It, it made me change the way I feel about the series.
0: Yeah, I mean, not to get on a soapbox about this, um, there is a huge conversation happening around professional and college football and probably other levels of lower levels of football with, you know, a whole lot of opinions about what players should or shouldn't do or how much freedom they should or shouldn't have. The NBA has been amazing with this. And with the NBA and the WNBA, I think there's been a level of understanding from the fans and from the media about men's and women's players opting out for whatever reason they want or leaving and coming back basically um, in order to do what they feel is right for other parts of their lives. Lou Williams, a.k.a. Lemon Pepper Lou, <laughs> notwithstanding. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think Dennis Schroeder, we didn't talk about it in the Thunder Series, but Dennis Schroeder left for for the same reasons. So... Yeah, I mean, you got to be there. Mike Trout missed time because, you know, his, I think, wife or girlfriend was pregnant. Um, Life is life, man. You got to live it, you know?
1: Couldn't agree more. Just wanted to see if you knew anything.
0: Yeah, I don't really respect people who who would say anything otherwise, honestly. I feel pretty strongly about that. You know, sports is sports. Life is life. But Mike Conley, I mean, here's what I will say about Utah. They lost Bogdanovich. He was a key piece for them. As far as Mike Conley and how his play kind of pertains to Memphis, I thought he was going to be better for their offense when they went out and traded for him. He's, I think he's affected the game more on offense in the bubble than he had maybe earlier this season. They miss Bogdanovich a ton. They're leaning on Ingles a lot. And I like Joe Ingles, but they just have trouble scoring, does Utah. Now, to me, the biggest factor in this series is Jokic versus Gobert because you'd think like if you are Denver uh, and you're going to run everything through Jokic, which obviously they should, um, and I think they're smart to have basically built the team around him the last few years. A guy like Gobert scares you a lot. A guy who can come out, you know, guard him 20 feet from the basket, bother him around the rim. Uh, and Gobert just scares a lot of teams because he just really affects the game uh, on both ends. I was surprised to learn that Denver was 3-0 and against Utah this season. They beat them in double overtime. I think it was last Saturday. That game easily could have gone either way. I think another difference between these teams to me is that and we'll see this with a lot of teams. There are certain teams that unlocked something in the bubble. Denver unlocked two things in the bubble. I think bowl I have bowl, a, bowl. Yep, I have it. And Michael down. Porter Jr. Yep,
1: I had. I wrote uh, young talent rising for the Nuggets.
0: Yeah, I mean they needed uh, Jamal Murray to come back. He's back. There are other guards. They're still waiting to see what's going to happen. I'm waiting to see what's going to happen, obviously. But, um, but Michael Porter Jr. is like a legit playmaker, creator, scorer. Uh, impact player, and if Bol Bol gives you anything, that's two things that they did not have. So I think they got better from what we saw in March until now. And Utah, especially now that they don't have Conley and Bogdanovich, you could say they got worse.
1: Mm-hmm. So let me ask you, what do you? what's your prediction? What do you have?
0: I'll say this. I think the Nuggets have a real balance to their roster now with Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. playing key roles. And I think that Jokic is going to get his against Rudy Gobert anyway so I'll take Denver and yeah I'll take Denver in six
1: me too same thing and the other thing so the the pros I wrote for the jazz um, yeah just you know for having them win two games and seeing what they could do um, Denver literally the worst defensive rating in the bubble so we talked about the Rockets and the Mavericks Denver was worse granted they played a lot of bench a lot of reserves yes. But yes. still, that's a lot of points to be giving up. And also, Spider Mitchell can get hot. And as I wrote, just like you did, uh, go bear on Jokic could scare some Nuggets fans out there.
0: Tie game, two minutes left. You can have anyone in the series. You probably want Donovan Mitchell.
1: Yes, for sure.
0: That matters.
1: Yep, I agree. But the first 46 minutes, I'll take Jokic.
0: Right. And even, you know, in a one possession game, Jokic can. It's just crazy that. He might, they might need him to create off the dribble and make shots in a close game.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, last year, we saw that with them in the playoffs that Jamal Murray, they want Jamal Murray to be that guy. He's at times looks like that guy. He's not as consistently that guy as Donovan Mitchell is for Utah, but Donovan Mitchell is also very inefficient. He disappears for long stretches. If Donovan Mitchell is not 2006 Dwayne Wade, and until he is, I don't think Utah is going to be able to match up with Denver. Agreed. Should we move on to the Eastern Conference? Let's do it. Eastern Conference. Do we want to start with the low-hanging fruit, or do you go right for the good stuff?
1: No, you say, get the low-hanging fruit out of here. Let's just get it over. Okay.
0: It. The lowest fruit that I've ever seen hang is Bucks Magic <laughs> first round. What can we say about this series? The Bucks are minus eight thousand favorites. They should be minus eighty thousand favorites. <laughs> There's no way that the Bucks lose to the Magic. Uh they are most likely to sweep. The sweep is minus one seventy five. Bucks and five plus two hundred. If you think that the Bucks could lose two games in this series, Bucks and six is plus eight hundred. That just goes to show what Vegas thinks of Orlando. Uh this is a tune up series for Milwaukee. Do you see it as anything else?
1: No, I have a buck sweep and I think the point differential might be in the double digits.
0: Will you watch any of this series?
1: Will I watch any of this series? Uh I like to see how Giannis is playing, but I'm not going to be tuned in too much. (laughs) This feels like an NBA. Is that bad to say?
0: (laughs) No. I mean, this is like the – there's a weird thing going on with the playoff schedule where like a lot of these games are going to be happening just during the day, which sucks if you're busy during the day. I think Uh, like
1: three of of the Bucks games are at like one Eastern (laughs) or something like that. This is
0: like – there's not like an NBA TV series. Like there is – was in past years this is like the nba tv series like the one that just like the old like hawks raptors series that nobody would watch um the bucks in the first game of the series are 12 point favorites do you have any desire to bet the magic plus 12
1: um no i would actually take the bucks minus 12 if i had to pick one
0: yeah i think you're right i think that line's probably too low too um all right anything else to say on bucks magic
1: nope (laughs) i'm good (laughs)
0: Uh, shout out to the Magic for being, I think, six games under five hundred and still making the playoffs. You've Gotta <laughs> love the Eastern Conference. Let's move on to, uh, we'll just go in order, I guess. That was the one eight matchup, the two seven matchup. Toronto Raptors, two seed, also in minus eight thousand favorite on the book I'm looking at over the Brooklyn Nets, who are, wow, this has them at eighteen to one.
1: It's the same uh, as uh, Bucks I- Magic.
0: I bet the Nets. I'm just going to tell you right now. I bet the Nets at ten to one. I wish my book had. uh, Are you serious, bro? (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
1: Wow. When was this?
0: Uh, Last night, after a couple IPAs. They saw you coming from a mile away. The Nets in seven are sixty-five to one. The most likely outcome, according to Vegas, is Raptors sweep. Raptors in five plus 190. I'm sorry, a Raptor sweep is minus 150. A Raptors in five is plus 190. If you think the Raps uh, could drop two to the Nets, that line is plus 600. Raptors in six.
1: I have the Raptors in five.
0: You have the Raptors in five. If I had to bet my life on it, of course I would bet the Raptors. But I just like what I saw from Brooklyn enough to th- say, hey, it's a long shot. I understand it's not March Madness for them to win a series over seven games is very unlikely, but Raptors minus 8,000 doesn't really do anything for me. I'd rather just like root for the Nets. Uh, a few stats about the Nets that nobody cared to hear, but I'm going to say them anyway. The Nets were 5-3 and three in the bubble. Shouts to them. Um, you know, they beat the Bucks and I believe the Clippers. Uh, oh, granted yeah. The, granted, granted the, uh, the rotations were not what they're going to be in the playoffs for those teams. Lost some shekels um, on that game, Johnny. <laughs> Dude, me too. And as much as um, you want to look at the Nets and say, hey, they proved something, maybe they can jump up and bite a team like the Raptors who maybe, um, I don't know, might not be ready for that. The Raptors went 7-1 in the bubble. They're awesome. They're probably going to beat the hell out of the Nets. I just you know, figured I'd throw a little long shot bet in there. Not a lot of money. It's co- it's what we call in the business an action bet. It's not a, like a real I believe in this bet.
1: <laughs> I'm sorry, but I cannot believe you got 10-1 to and now it's 18-1. to
0: how? Yeah, and my book, I think it is still 10 to 1. So How? Whatever.
1: Wow. Um, so, yeah, I just had, like, for pros for the Raptors, I put their first in defensive rating in the bubble. They have defenders. They have nice wing defenders to put on Karis LeVert, who does mm-hmm. a majority of the shooting and scoring for the Nets. And also just the pedigree of the Raptors, Nick Nurse, put a box and one on Steph Curry last year. I don't think um, Karis LeVert and a bunch of decent role players can do anything but beat... Um, the Raptors in one game, I think, maybe. And that's because Toronto has trouble scoring. <laughs> they are in the bottom five in points per game uh, in the last few weeks. So, you know, I think one game, Toronto... You've, we've all seen Toronto have that game where they go cold. So we'll, we'll see. But I think it's Raptors in five.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, do you think the Raptors are the second-best team in the East?
1: I think there's a fight for the second-best team in the East. And I'm not 100% sure the Bucks are that far above the teams that are fighting for second
0: interesting so it's not like one and then everybody else it's like who knows who's number one the bucks have the inside track
1: yeah i think all the uh, favorites in the four eastern conference playoff series are pretty damn close
0: that's interesting and so in that case with that in mind i'm gonna skip the celtics for a second because it sounds like you really believe in the Miami Heat. So let's go to that series. The 4-5. Miami minus 325 favorites over the Pacers, who are plus 250. According to Vegas, the most likely outcome is Heat in 5. The Heat are plus 270 to win in 5. Heat in 6 is plus 310. A Heat sweep is plus 440. Heat in 7, plus 480. And the Pacers in 7 is plus 800. You think the Pacers are really that much worse than the Heat?
1: I do. I think the injuries, man, I think it's I think it's going to come back to haunt them in a uh, seven-game series. I think in the bubble, you get different matchups, different teams, um, different game plans, but and the Heat are just so well-coached. They are so versatile, um, and they have the best player in the series, in my opinion. You know, TJ Warren's been good, but Jimmy Butler could be TJ Warren's kryptonite, <laughs> so we'll see how that goes over the course of a week or two. Um And I just think the injuries, Oladipo and Sabonis and who knows what, I don't even know what their actual situation is going to be with those guys. So um, I'm going Heat in five, and I think it actually could be a sweep.
0: Well, I have it pulled up right now. Technically, Oladipo, in addition to Miles Turner and TJ Warren, technically all three of those guys are day-to-day. If all three of those guys are healthy, does that change your opinion of the series?
1: Like we're talking, wait, Warren, Oladipo, and... Miles Turner? Yes. So you're talking about Oladipo last year, like prime Oladipo?
0: I mean, Oladipo in the lineup. I don't know if what version. But if Oladipo and Warren and Turner are active and getting minutes...
1: But I don't think, I, I think that's a bad argument because I don't think Oladipo is coming back this year as Oladipo.
0: So just so we're clear, Victor Oladipo in the bubble has played... You'd say starters minutes. He's averaged about 16 points a game. His shooting hasn't been great. Um, what have you seen from him? Do you think he's 50%,
1: 75%? I think he's somewhere close, in, maybe in between that. I think he, you know, he's healthy enough to be out there contributing. But to be the top dog, top dog status for a team that needs it, I just don't see that coming back this bubble.
0: Even if they get a Herculean effort from Oladipo and TJ Warren, does that change your opinion at all? You don't think the Pacers are a real threat in the series?
1: I just don't. I think that Miami is too good. They're too, in this matchup, it's just a bad matchup for Indiana. I think Spolstra and Butler and Bam and those shooters, uh, I just think they have the Pacers' number.
0: That's fair, man. I mean, I think most people would agree with you. I'm going to go out on a limb. I'm going to say Pacers in seven.
1: Wow. This is our first big disagreement.
0: Yeah. And it really, it's me just being contrarian because the first <laughs> round and I'm bored. But I'm going to put my name on this one. And if I'm wrong, so be it. I think the Pacers and the Heat are pretty even teams. I understand why the Heat are considered a better team. But again, it's the bubble home court. There is no home court game seven. It's just whoever's got the hot hand. I think the paces are pretty deep. I think they're pretty well coached. I think the heat, they have some holes in their roster. Uh, they don't have as much playmaking as some of the other teams that we talked about as contenders. I think they lack a little bit of size. I know Bam has been a beast in the middle, but, um, you know, you're talking about a, a forward rotation that is very heavy on guys like Kelly O'Linick and Derek Jones Jr. And, um, yeah, just a lot of guys who aren't like star uh, series changers necessarily. I mean, they're the Heat. They have an awesome infrastructure. Jimmy Butler went toe to toe with Kawhi last year on Philly. Could have beat them if that shot didn't go in. I think Jimmy Butler in a close series is much better than T.J. Warren or even healthy Victor Oladipo. I like. I have a very high opinion of Jimmy Butler, which is ultimately why they probably will win this series. But I'm gonna go out on a limb. I'll take I'll take the Pacers in seven.
1: Well, let me say if there was. Prime Oladipo, last year Oladipo, and healthy all-star level Sabonis, I think this is a seven-game series. But I think even though Oladipo's body is there, I don't think it's Oladipo, and I think they're missing their two all-stars. So I just don't see it happening.
0: You're right. Sabonis um, has been their best player this year. He's not there.
1: And let me ask you a Johnny question. The Pacers will win this series if...
0: Miles Turner, TJ Warren, Victor Oladipo... Bring it for seven games. Okay.
1: Miles Turner's matched up with Bam, so I don't know if that's going to happen.
0: And the Heat role players don't show up. I mean, the Heat are relying on guys. Like I said, I named some of the forwards in the rotation. They're relying on young, unproven guys. Duncan Robinson and Tyler Harrow and Kendrick Nunn. I mean, I like Goran Dragic, but they don't have a they don't have a clear number two creator, playmaker. There's no one that you trust to get you 30 next to Jimmy Butler. So to me, that creates a level of variance Uh, in this 4-5 matchup. It's a 4-5 matchup. Fives, B-4s all the time. Should we move on? Last series in the Eastern Conference. Yeah, let's do it. So the number three seed Celtics, minus 480, woo-wee, favorites, over the Philadelphia 76ers, who are plus 350. If we look at our series outcomes, the Celtics are most likely to win in 5, plus 300, or 6, plus 330, Celtics in seven plus 480. Celtics to sweep plus 500. Sixers in seven is plus 650. Where are you at, Celtics, Sixers? What do you see? What do you
1: like? I have the Boston Celtics in six games. Um, I think that they are very versatile. They're very well coached. I will say that Tatum and Brown need to up their points per game. Um, they were only averaging about 41 combined in the bubble. So they got to step up those games. I think that they will. And, this, and I wrote this in particular. I wrote, the Sixers are a chemistry dumpster fire. <laughs> um, now, for the Sixers, I do have them winning two games, which means whenever I have a team winning two games, I think that they can win the series. I just don't see it happening. Uh, their reasoning for the Sixers are they have the best player in the series. I think they have Joel Embiid, who out of Mm -hmm. all, he's number one, but I think the next maybe four or five would all be Celtics. And Kemba's injury, we don't know if it's going to flare up again. Um, And if it does, when they don't have a point guard, the Celtics run into some trouble. But I do think that they will prevail. I don't trust Brett Brown. I don't know if I necessarily trust Joel Embiid as a leader. Uh, So I have Celtics in six. What about you?
0: Well, I just want to say a few things. I mean, so much of what you said, I think I could react to. I'll start by saying, you're so boring, dude. You're going to take all favorites. Come on. <laughs> you didn't take one underdog, did you? I took the Thunder.
1: You? I took the Thunder and Oh, seven. you took the Thunder. Okay. All right. So you took the five seed Thunder. Okay. The,
0: the, you're like the guy who has all one seeds in the March Madness bracket. Trying to make it a little spicy. Ultimately, you're right. The Celtics are a better team than the Sixers. Uh, I think that we could nitpick of a couple of the things you said, though. So, first of all, you think Tatum and Brown are the two best offensive players for the Celtics and need to be for them to make a run? I do, because Kemba ostensibly should be there at least at two behind Tatum, but you don't even you don't trust him, and you don't think you think even with him being third place at best, they can still win and make a run with those yeah. guys. Yes, I do. I don't know. It's a lot to put on their shoulders. I mean, Tatum had a run, you know, right before the season ended, maybe February, where he looked like he had the mama mentality, you know, averaging twenty five plus, consistent guy, go to guy. Brown's a little more spotty than that. And um, and the other thing that you said that I kind of want to react to here is that you said the Sixers are a chemistry dumpster fire. The <laughs> Sixers that's just hilarious. The Sixers <laughs> have chemistry problems. Do you think that some of those problems are alleviated by the fact that Ben Simmons isn't there?
1: No, because yeah. I think Brett Brown is like the main contributor to, him. I don't trust Brett Brown for a second. And that's from what I see. And that's from also what I hear other insiders say about him.
0: Yes, I agree. There's a coaching mismatch there. Brad Stevens has earned the reputation as a great coach. Brett Brown might get fired after this season. So there's definitely, there's definitely, um, yeah, I, I take your point there. I, in terms of chemistry, I think Simmons leaving might be a... Di- I mean, you know me, dude. I like to make things... I like to always side with the contrarian side and try to figure out make the case. But I think there's a, a real path where the Sixers win this series because Simmons isn't there. They're going to run everything through Embiid. If you say the Celtics have a, have a weakness, it's interior play, like post-play, post-defense, rebounding. That's a bad matchup, I think, for, for Boston. And... I think at times this season, especially in the bubble, the Sixers have unlocked some guard play from guys like maybe Shake Milton and Neto and Furkan Korkmaz. How do you say that guy's name? Korkmaz. Uh, that you know they might not saying those guys are going to be you know and you know Matisse Thibault. Not saying those guys are going to start to be able to play on the level of Jason Tatum and Kemba Walker and Jalen Brown, but there might be a like a real recipe there to run the run through the post with Embiid. If you don't double, he's going to go for 50. If you do double, there's going to be shooters open. Whether those guys are going to make the shots, I guess, you know, the Sixers aren't a great shooting team, but, you know, some of those guys I named, you know, and you throw Tobias Harris in there, Al Horford, some of those guys can be shot makers. The other thing is, Tobias Harris is best as a primary ball handler. He showed that with the Clippers. He's a pick and roll wing. So I think they could really unlock something there with him, maybe running the second unit um, as a guy who can give you 20 plus and create. Now, I don't think it will happen, I'm saying it could happen, and it wouldn't happen if Ben Simmons was there, Tobias Harris would just be this odd piece that they couldn't fit in, but because they need primary ball handling, playmaking, uh it's not going to be Embiid post-ups for 48 minutes. That to me creates an opportunity for Tobias Harris to do something he's done in other places, which is average
1: 20 and make other guys better. Is that fair? That's fair, and this, you know, this series could be one of those series that they talk about where Embiid averages 45. And the Celtics, you know, they don't double and beat. And they win. And they try to let all the other players. So you want Tob- Tobias Harris to beat you in a seven-game series? I'll sign up for that. I'll sign, you know, Josh you know, Josh Richardson and these guys. I don't know. I just, I trust the Celtics more. I don't know really know why. Um, I think a lot has to do with Brad Stevens. And I like the dudes on the Celtics. Um, I think they'll come through. I want to hear what your pick is.
0: Well, I want to say a couple more things before I make a pick because so this is another one where I just want to find a reason to put money on the Sixers because their odds are so long and it's the bubble and weird stuff can happen. And my overall philosophy in the bubble is bet on underdogs because there's less advantages for the favorites than there are, have been in the past. So I'm just keep finding ways to talk myself into the Sixers. Matisse Thibel, everybody's favorite vlog boy, right? Shout out Matisse. Love Matisse as a, as a Dude, as a as a creator. Uh, I love him as a defender. He might be one of the best defenders in the league already, and he's on his way to like maybe winning multiple defensive player of the year awards. He's like a savant at defense.
1: Those long arms. They,
0: he's got long arms. Dude, he's gonna average three steals a game one day. He might already. Like he, if you put him on Jason Tatum, Jason Tatum might not be able to cross half court. Like if they can unlock something with their defense, we know they got Josh Richardson, you know, in that. Um, Jimmy Butler trade because they wanted to, like, make it all work. But Josh Richardson, also a really solid perimeter defender. You know, Al Horford, good defensive player. They really—the Sixers could win this series with defense because Embiid blocking shots and getting rebounds, who's going to stop him from doing all those things, not just scoring? Cantor and Tice and Grant Williams. and it's, it's a bad matchup for the Celtics defensively and, you know, just rebounding interior presence. That stuff matters in a playoff series, especially a, a, a one with, um, again, so many unproven variables. You mentioned Kemba. I think the Celtics, you know, what you're getting out of Gordon Hayward is very inconsistent. What you're getting out of Marcus Smart on offense is very inconsistent. I don't love the Celtics' depth. We've talked about how—you and I have talked in the past about how depth is kind of overrated in the playoffs, but depth matters for health and matchups. If somebody goes down, they don't have another body. If somebody gets in foul trouble, they don't have another body. So that makes me think that this is going to be a long series. I'll take the Celtics in seven, but I'm going to bet the Sixers.
1: Okay. So I think we only had one series where we differed in opinions on who was going to win the series the Pacers. So, stop calling me out, Johnny. <laughs>
0: <laughs> hey, I took two five seeds, bro. I'll, you know what? I'm switching my pick then. Sixers and seven. Let's go Embiid. If <laughs> you want to mess with the bull, you get bald horned.
1: <laughs> Trust the process, Johnny says.
0: Uh, let me, before we uh, wrap up on this, let me tell you. Um, actually, hold on. Let me call Shaq because Shaq had something that he wanted to say about the series. Joel Embiid needs to dominate. <laughs> You can't give me 20, 25 points I need 35, 40 points You gotta make the others better Kick to the corner But first, you gotta dominate That's pretty Thanks good. Shaq, appreciate it man That's my friend Shaq, just wanted to stop by
1: Yeah, we have a picture with Shaq
0: <laughs> That's true, we do have a picture with Shaq Shaq says, this is, this is the last thing I'll say About this Sixers nonsense Shaq says Everyone needs to dominate That's his answer for everything Shaq how? What do the Sixers need to do? Joel Embiid needs to dominate. <laughs> Shaq, what needs to happen in order for the Lakers to go to the next level? Anthony Davis needs to dominate. Shaq, what does the post office need to do to make sure that, uh, the, um, that Trump doesn't win the election? The post office needs to dominate. That's it. That's all he's got. And I, I, I admire that because what other advice is Shaq going to give you? That's all he knows how to do. Turn around, <laughs> slam it with both hands. So I think if Embiid... Goes full Shaq, Sixers, and Seven.
1: Fair. That that was pretty good. That was nice hearing from Shaq. It's been a while.
0: It's been a while. I mean, you know, a few times a week on TNT, it's not enough. He's got to stop by the podcast every <laughs> now and again. Say hi to his old friends, Waddell and Fontanelli. All right, you ready to move on to – well, first let's do finals winners and finals odds. I'm going to pull those up right now. Okay, let's do the finals odds Finals predictions and then finals odds. But first, I want to tell you the bets that I put in and get you to react. If you haven't heard these before, I hinted towards, towards some of them. Here are the bets that I'm making on the first round. First of all, you ready for this? So first of all, I'm going to introduce my betting system, right? This is the John Fontanelli betting system. It's a It's a unit system, right? One unit is whatever you feel comfortable betting on a game. That makes you feel invested. Okay. That doesn't involve you having to not eat that day if you lose.
1: I'm invested with any bet. I, my, good. Then you should my, have a low my number unit for a might be as unit. low as ten bucks.
0: That's good. That's good. That's ultimately that's what we encourage on the latest podcast <laughs> is responsible <laughs> gambling. So a, a one unit bet is you know that's it's a one unit bet. It's something you feel good about betting where you feel like you're invested. An action bet is one where you don't really know who to bet or you don't really care or you don't feel like you have any sort of sense, but you want action on the game, right? Mm -hmm. We've all been there. Don't bet one unit on an action bet. Bet a quarter of a unit. Okay. Or a half a unit. If you're betting 10 bucks, action bet can be five bucks. Probably should be two bucks, honestly, because why risk your own hard-earned money for something you don't feel confident about just because you want a little action? Um, all right, so that, with that being said, here are my bets for this round of the playoffs. First of all, I'm keying the Clippers with everything. So this is a bunch of Clippers parlays. Clippers and the Thunder. These I put these in yesterday. These odds shifted a little bit. Um, Clippers are basically, if you put them with the Thunder, it's almost two to one. Let's call it like plus 170. So Clippers to win, Thunder to win, one unit.
1: Ooh, you're gonna be might be sweating out that Rockets Thunder series.
0: Definitely gonna be sweating it out. But hey, it's a one unit bet. That's what that's sweating it out's the fun part. Okay. One unit on the Pacers and the Clippers to advance. That's plus three hundred. You hate that bet.
1: I do not like that bet.
0: Would you bet the Heat minus three hundred instead? probably parlay them with another favorite or something.
1: Yeah, I I just don't like the Pacers. We've went over this. I just don't like the Pacers right now the way they're fair put enough. together.
0: Uh, uh, fair enough. Um, a half unit on the Nets, the Clippers and the Bucks. Half units on the
1: plus Nets. Plus
0: 1100.
1: Woo-hoo! <laughs> you better buy a Carousel Vert jersey.
0: <laughs> Let's go Nets. I mean it's a half unit plus 1100. You know, I can yeah. root for the Raptors like every other, um, you know, every other NBA square, but I'm going to take a shot. And then the last one, you ready for this? Hit Five me. units. Wow. On the Nuggets and the Clippers. I got this when it was minus 210 for the Nuggets. You combine that with the Clippers, you basically get about minus 140.
1: Dude, I love that bet. Can I get in on it?
0: Well, the odds shifted. I think it's probably minus 200 now that Conley's out. But we'll talk offline. I can get you. I mean, you might have to. You know, might be minus two hundred.
1: No, no, I want it through your bet. <laughs>
0: you want to buy? You to buy a piece of my s- me, uh, stock me, in that?
1: Let me buy a unit.
0: You want to buy? You to
1: buy me out, bro? <laughs> Hell no! That's
0: my stock just went up. If anything, you're gonna have to pay two units for the price of one. There's actually an app called Prop Swap. Have you ever heard of it? We no. can sell futures tickets.
1: I know Ravel tweets of that out a lot.
0: Yeah, so I have the I have the uh the Thunder in my it's like it's like through the service. I don't have a ticket, but I have the Thunder 80 to one to win the West. It's now seventy to one. If they beat the Rockets, it'll drop to like forty to one. Yeah. I'd love to like sell that on Prop Spot. I don't know. You can leave that in if you want or take it out. I don't really care. Um <laughs> Overall, those are my bets for the first round. I Also, I'm going to bet all these series game to game or a lot of these series, especially Philly Philly and Boston. Like Philly's a uh, plus five tomorrow. I'm going to bet them with the points every game because even if they lose, I trust them to cover some of these close games. So that's my gambling advice. Thunder with the Clippers, Pacers with the Clippers, crazy Nets parlay with the Clippers and Bucks, but then heaviest, most, most heavy, on the Nuggets and Clippers, and bet the Sixers game to game.
1: And I, and just for the people out there, so they know, I will be buying into that bet with Johnny. So we'll talk about it next time. At what, at what
0: price is the question?
1: <laughs> One point two units.
0: Wow. <laughs> I like this, dude. I like this little prop swap <laughs> we got going. All right, I'm going to move on to just very quickly futures odds, championship winner. Eastern Conference winner, Western Conference winner, quickly. I will say off top, I don't feel comfortable betting who's going to win three or four rounds, especially with these heavy favorites. If Giannis gets COVID, if Anthony Davis uh, has to leave the bubble, like anything can happen. Yeah, I mean, I don't fundamentally like doing it anyway because of injuries, but during COVID and with everything going on, like, I don't know, it's just hard for me to, especially when you're looking at the top, Bucks, Lakers, Rockets are all between plus 240 and plus 260, depending on where you look. Um, I don't feel comfortable with those short odds with any of those three teams. I mean, they're all about the same odds. I think they all deserve to be about the same odds because I think they all have about the same chance. Milwaukee, I don't think, is quite as good as those teams, but they have an easier path because they're in a worse conference. Does any of that excite you? Bucks, Lakers, Clippers, plus 250?
1: No, and I got to tell you, none of these odds I like. (laughs) Nothing stands out.
0: Me neither. I mean, just to go through it, Raptors nine to one, don't see it. I guess if you really want to, I
1: see the Raptors winning the champion. I see them. I think there's a chance, but I don't like the nine to one odds. I think that's too low.
0: Yeah, that's fair. Yes, the Raptors, I mean, you can make the case that the Raptors is a bunch of champions on the team from last year. It's a weird year. They could sneak up and repeat, but you're right. The, you'd want better than 9-1 at that. You'd be better off betting them, I think, series to series than getting down a nine to 9-1. Celtics, 12-1. I don't love the Celtics. You like them more than I do.
1: Yeah, I mean, from our Celtics, Sixers bet, the Celtics are 12-1, to one, the Sixers are 60-1. to one. <laughs> So, well, right. the, Vegas has a Unless definitely— Unless Joel
0: Embiid— comes out and dominates dominates <laughs> <laughs> Houston Rockets twelve to one I like that more when there was Westbrook uh, when yeah. I knew Westbrook was going to be there they have to beat the Thunder the Lakers the Clippers and the Bucks you'd want better than twelve to one
1: if I had to put like ten bucks on one of these teams I think I would pick the Nuggets not not gonna lie
0: Nuggets twenty five at
1: twenty five to one they sit they're sitting right in that middle spot twenty five
0: to one's a good number but the Nuggets aren't going to win the championship they're just not
1: what if Jokic is unstoppable. What if?
0: Yeah, it could happen. I will say, I think that side of the bracket in the West is a little more easier to navigate. I think them having to play Utah, and I guess the Clippers, it's really easier for the Clippers. I think the Clippers got an easier draw with the Mavs, and then the winner of um, of Utah Denver than the Lakers did with Portland. And so, I mean, that side you can make a case like that side is just easier. Them playing the the um, you know Denver as the three seed playing Utah. Is an easier draw than the Lakers as the one seed, or maybe even like you know, you can make a case it's easier than the Clippers playing the two seeded Mavericks. I mean, if you're if you're the Nuggets, would you rather play the Mavericks or the Jazz in round one?
1: I would rather play the Mavericks. The Mavericks just don't scare me how bad their defense is. (laughs) I'm sorry, I can't I can't get over it. No, that's Um,
0: fair. I mean, Utah Utah's got a little more firepower, I think. Um, Miami thirty to one, Dallas forty to one, Portland forty to one. It's I mean it's it's a weird year but it's probably going to be one of those top 3 teams we've known it all season and if anything about the past is you know comes to light it's that you can't really sneak up on a team in a 7 game series it's hard to beat a good team 4 times in 2 weeks and that's why the favorites usually win unless in the uh
1: NBA finals. unless clay breaks his knee and kevin durant breaks his Achilles.
0: Right. Yeah, I mean unless you have devastating injuries but even the Raptors you know they had to be a top tier team to get there. None of these other teams that we're talking about have proven what the Raptors have proven at this point before we move on, the bucks are minus one sixty to win the east. If you love the bucks, that's actually not that bad of a bet. The Raptors are three to one to win the east. again, the Raptors could definitely win the east. I want better odds than three to one if I'm betting that. Boston plus four seventy five Miami nine to one. you like Miami plus nine hundred
1: to win the east? Yeah. um
0: it's pretty high.
1: Yeah, I, you know what? I like this Miami Heat team. I want to see them do what they should versus the Pacers, and then I'll really get on their uh, on their bandwagon.
0: Right, Lakers switching over to the Western Conference. Lakers plus one sixty five, Clippers plus one fifty. That doesn't make sense. Technically, that would make the Clippers the favorite, um, but they're second on this list. Rockets six and a half to one, Nuggets ten to one, Mavericks twenty to one. Nothing excites me there either. I'm just going to keep betting game to game because, you know, everything. we're all living day to day in 2020, so why project too far into the future and, um, and feel good about these first-round series bets that I made, especially Denver. I'm all about Denver in the first round. Denver and the Clippers, that's my all-in first-round playoff betting strategy. All right, are you ready to talk the top 10 players in the NBA bubble right now?
1: Oh, I've been waiting for a while. We were going to do it on the phone the other day, and we said, no, no, no. We got to wait for the podcast. No, no, no. (laughs) No, no, no.
0: No, no, no. All right. I'm switching over. I'm looking at my list here. Uh, We're going to go in reverse order. We're going to go 10 to 1. I'm going to lay out the rules for the audience. So this is the top 10 players. If you're redrafting teams in the bubble, who are the guys you would most want to start with?
1: Right? Do we agree Mm -hmm. there? Yes. Uh,
0: Therefore... There are a lot of really great players who are exempt from this list. Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, Bradley Beal, Kyrie Irving, John Wall, Clay Thompson, Trey Young, Carl Anthony Towns, and then Devin Booker because he just got bounced, John Morant, same thing, and Russell Westbrook because he isn't healthy. Not on not eligible in the top ten. Yep. Uh, I'm gonna let you start, man. You're the guest. Give me your 10th best player in the bubble.
1: <laughs> well, let me start by saying we had I, I you know I texted you a few times. I wanted your credentials. Like what 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 was going into this list? Is it future? Is it franchise in five years? And you said the best basketball player in the world in the bubble right now. So what I took that as they're all lined up, all 10 of these guys, and I can only pick one to have on my basketball team. That's how I looked at it. That was the easiest way for me to you know, relate. Yeah, and I
0: think that's fair. And I don't want to get too much into the drafting part of this. Like, oh, well, if I take Giannis, that means I can go get a stretch five. No, like, no, 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 no. no. Yeah, none
1: of that. It's uh, just
0: also, these 10 guys up against each other.
1: Also, best I'm bringing worst. absolutely, worst absolutely no numbers and no stats to this list. And I'm proud of it. I'm going all eye tests.
0: All right, cool. <laughs> I'll, I got some stats pulled up, but we can just argue about players as we see them. And um, this podcast is long enough, so we all won't right. bore people with more numbers. All
1: right. So I will give you my number 10 player is Jimmy Butler.
0: Ooh. Okay. Make the case.
1: He is a dog. Every team yep. he plays on is better than when he leaves or before he got there. Um, yep. he, he gives you both sides of the ball. He can be an ass, but some of the best players of all time can be an ass. And with a two minutes left, in a close game, there's not many dudes in the league that I would want over Jimmy Butler. Maybe the nine guys ahead of him, but he he's a dog. I've always loved Jimmy Butler as a ball player, not so much as a teammate per se, but, but I like him at number 10.
0: I like him too, man. I have Jimmy Butler number
1: eight. Nice. Okay. I thought you were might've left him out.
0: <laughs> well, it's my TJ Warren slash Pacers love aside. Um, Cause we, you know, we talked about that earlier. I agree with you, man. Like, especially in the playoffs. I mean, when Jimmy Butler was in Chicago, there was a series where he was on the same floor with LeBron James and Derek Rose, and he didn't back down at all. He wanted the ball. He went at LeBron. He's been on other teams. You know, he did it in Minnesota. He was not afraid in the playoffs. What we saw him do last year in Philly, go toe to toe with Kawhi Leonard and Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons are getting out of the way so that Jimmy can cook. That's, that's everything in the playoffs to me. So I, uh, I have a very high opinion of Jimmy Butler um, I think he might get outgunned in this playoffs, and I think that the Pacers are going to have a lot of guys to throw at him, but if we're just lining up ball players, give me six, eight, two 230-pound, unafraid Jimmy Butler. That's he's, that's a great pick at 10, and I, like I said, I have him higher at at 8.
1: Very nice. This is fun. All right, now give me your number 10.
0: My number 10 is Nikola Jokic.
1: He was in my honorable mention. Didn't make my top 10. You don't 10. have him in the top 10? Nope. Make your case.
0: Nikola Jokic is um a unique player. Nobody does the things that he does. And so I think he gives defenses trouble as a result. I think he's a good leader. I think he's a good teammate. He as mentioned earlier, he's a shot maker and a playmaker, even though he's seven foot tall and probably can't jump over a milk crate. Um I love Nikola Jokic. Uh there are a lot of guys that I would have trouble taking Nikola Jokic ahead of if we're starting a franchise that are on honorable mention. But if I need to win right now, based on what I've seen from him in the playoffs last year, based on what I saw from him in the regular season this year, he's the 10th best guy in the bubble for me.
1: I like it. He, he was actually my number 11. So he, he missed out by one spot.
0: Fair enough. Uh, I'll, I'll give you my number nine then. All right, hit me. I got Jokic 10. I got Butler 8. Number nine, I have PG-13.
1: He was on my honorable mention again. Wow. So we have a different top 10.
0: We do. I had a really hard time with uh, PG-13, and I can tell you why I took him ahead of some of the other guys that maybe you had in when you tell me who those guys are. Uh, But it's a wing league. I favor wings over smaller guards or bigs in a lot of cases. So I consider PG-13 ahead of some other comparable players at different positions. Uh, I love the defense. And I think he, I mean, there's like a playoff P thing about like, there's all this, this stuff about like, he's not actually as good in close games and in big games. And him and Dame went back and forth about Dame knows. Dame said, he knows what I could do. Cause I sent his ass home. And that started a whole thing about, well, playoff, playoff P who is it? He's never actually won a Western conference series. I think that's right. I think he's owned two in the Western conference playoffs, but we saw what he did as a young player going toe to toe with LeBron. He's proven it. Um, And, you know, there are eight guys who I would take ahead of him. So to say he's the ninth best player in the bubble, he might even take that as a slight. But I I view it as a compliment to Paul George. I have him nine.
1: Um, So my my number nine is the process, Joel Embiid.
0: Honorable mention for me.
1: Make the case. When he wants to dominate, he can (laughs) – he – on – Almost any night he can be the best player on the court if he if he is, you know, up for it and he's feeling good. I mean, I hate saying this about a top ten player that he's so temperamental. So I'm going against all the things I normally like, but as far as talent, the way I as I said I looked at it, these dudes are lined up on the sideline. I gotta pick one. Give me Joel Embiid. He what, what can't he do?
0: He can't do a lot of the things that Paul George does is what he can't do. And that speaks to what you want in your best player.
1: I Yeah. I, you know what? I'm not going to question you, but I I think if you see Joel Embiid sitting there waiting to play, I don't know. It's close. It's, it, it's close. Listen, it. I just – Paul George has shrunk before. He's also stepped up before. Joel Embiid's right. a lot, lot younger. He has a lot less of a sample size. Um, but I just think he's the more talented player. I do.
0: And I guess more trustworthy as to be your best player,
1: in your mind. Uh, yeah, but that's like, the, neither of them are that trustworthy. So when it, right. beco- when it comes down to them, it's, it's talent. And it was really right. close between him and Jokic, too, but I just think I would, I would take Embiid over Jokic.
0: Same. I had trouble Embiid versus Jokic. I ended up putting Jokic at 10, but I, have Embi- I think Embiid is like, you could easily make a case he's every bit the player Jokic is.
1: All right. You want my number eight? Go for it. CP3, number eight. I had him seven. Okay. I mean, we'll probably say the same things, but ultimate floor general, ultimate leader. You would never know how old he is right now, the way he's playing. This team was, the Thunder were projected to not even make the playoffs, and he is just doing what he's been doing for the last 10 years, and there's no dip, and With a few minutes left in the game, I mean, he's had his faults in the past, but there's no other point guard I want with the ball in my hands, you know?
0: I agree, man. And I think some people might think we're crazy. Uh, I think some other people might say, um, you know, I think a lot of other people would agree. But ultimately, it's everything that you said. And I think you and I also come from a similar point of view where, like, we we both have a soft spot for, like, a point guard who could just – command a team in a close game, that's like, it's to me, that's such a key part of, um, of winning basketball. And there's very few of those guys right now, you know, Steph's hurt. Dame is Dame, but how many point guards would you take ahead of Chris Paul? Not many.
1: It's hard to, you know, it's hard to even say Dame and Steph, we will, but, uh, you know, CP three is CP 3 First ballot hall of famer. So, and there's no dip in his game. And that's the thing. There's no dip. Right.
0: right. I agree. I'm with you. Like I said, I have him seven. So now, should you go... Let's go with your number seven.
1: Okay. Uh, I have the brow. Anthony Davis, number seven.
0: I did not put Anthony Davis on my list.
1: Did not put Anthony Davis on your list. Wow. (laughs) Can we just talk about this for a second? We had a phone call a few weeks ago where you swore to me that you liked AD better than PG-13 in a big game. And now you're putting Paul George over on the list, not Anthony Davis. I flip-flopped. I did the same thing (laughs) because I put put Paul Paul George. Yeah, I didn't put Paul George in my top 10, and I put AD in my top 10.
0: Dude, we're lining these guys up. I'm not taking AD. I'm just not. When AD did it, he was at Kentucky with a team of guys around him. When he did it in New Orleans, he had Rondo and Drew Holiday. And again, we're not going to get in the conversation of, well, if AD's my best player, who's my second best player? I just know these other guys can do it on their own. AD can't do it on his own, in my opinion.
1: I can't believe you picked Paul George over AD, but listen to each his own.
0: Yeah, I mean, I looked at, like, every single guy on my list can create for others. is not, that's not something he's especially skilled at. True. Which is why I took Jokic over Embiid and AD. It's fair. And why I took... A, PG and Butler and CP over all of them because they can make other guys better. And I think your best player has to be able to do that, uh, especially the NBA, man. Like, you need a guy who can create when the whole defense is looking at you, when the other team's keying on you for seven games. You need guys that can just overcome that. Have we ever seen AD do that? I love AD. He's a monster. I think he's perfect on the Lakers as a number two next to LeBron doing all of the things that he does. And we might see him, like, really take over in the playoffs, win a series by himself, maybe win the title as the best player. He could be Finals MVP this year and prove prove me wrong. But I just haven't seen it yet, so I can't I can't count on it.
1: I honestly thought that you were going to grill me for having him at 7. <laughs> so <laughs> <laughs> no, I was man. like getting ready to defend myself. But wow. Well,
0: I mean, I I I could easily make a case that Anthony Davis is a top 5 player in the league, but for the purposes of this, this exercise, This is different. I left him out of my top 10. The
1: way we did this exercise is different. So that's why it was hard. All right. So, why don't you give your number six?
0: My number six is James Harden.
1: Ooh, I have James Harden at five.
0: Okay. Uh, James Harden is amazing. He does things on a basketball court no human being has ever done. He also has the advantage of being empowered by his coach and his organization to do things other stars would love to have the license to do like have an insane usage rate and dribble the, <laughs> dribble the ball at the rate that they want, on the spot on the floor when they want, take the shots that they want. But he rises to that challenge. He's really playing a different game than everybody else. If you look at his shooting numbers, you know, his attempts, it's like he's just the Rockets and him are just in a different league. I said it before, just in terms of like, here's everybody else and then here's them. There's a gap in terms of what style of basketball they play, what their version of NBA basketball is. Um, There are five guys in the league who I would rather have than James Harden. And again, some people may see that as an insult. I take it, um, you know, I look at James Harden and say, congratulations, James Harden, I trust you more than I trust, uh, you know, Chris Paul and Jimmy Butler. Um, And honestly, those guys have all earned about the same amount. Which is never going to the finals. So to me, you can make a case for any of them. Harden's awesome. Uh, we'll talk about him versus some of the other guys higher on the list, but I have him six.
1: So I had him fifth, and it was I was literally erasing between him and my number six, which is Luca. So I didn't have Luca five. Okay. I I knew I I was gonna say I think we both have them five six. So let's talk
0: about Luca versus Harden. Why would you rather have Harden?
1: Um so right now I would take Harden because of his years in the league and his experience level. Um yep. I love Luca. Don't get me wrong. If this was the future thing, like we're talking 10 years, I think he might be number one for me. He's but
0: never played in the playoffs before. He's Ever.
1: never played in the playoffs other than in you know the European League. And um I just not that I would necessarily trust Harden with all my heart and soul. I need a little bit bigger sample size from Luca. They're very mm-hmm. similar players, but right now, if they're standing next to each other, I'm taking Harden.
0: I get that. Um, other than scoring and creating, how do you view the other parts of their game? Does one stand out to you more as like, I feel like this guy gives me more energy, more toughness, more defense, more rebounding, more uh, I think good team chemistry?
1: Toughness, I think you got to give it to Harden. That dude's a, that dude's a dog um, as far as like, taking the punishment and, you know, coming up in big games. He's had a little bit of problem with that, but he's also played good in some big games that people forget about too. Um, and then Luca, I think he brings you that energy that I don't know if necessarily Harden brings you. So it's give and take with these two. It's too close. It's really too close.
0: I also think Luca's just a better rebounder. He I gets do too. more rebounds. He's, he's bigger. bigger. And that's that's part of why I put Luca higher too, because I think Luca's size uh, lends his... Lends him more to being more durable. I think Luke. he will be more durable in the playoffs than you know. James Harden's worn down into the end of the regular season and into the playoffs, and you know he's had some problems staying healthy.
1: Um, the thing is, Harden's a better shooter. He's a better foul shooter. Yep. Um, so in and, crunch- and granted,
0: Lucas has Lucas had some injuries too. So I need to say that. But so in crunch yeah, time, I, mean, I think I go,
1: I go harden, but it is between those two, it's night and day.
0: Um, right. And I don't disparage you at all for putting hard over Luca. I think it makes sense. I think it's funny. We had them five, six last thing I'll say about Luca. Is he really, I said it earlier about, uh, you know, with regard to Dane, but he really might go bananas and have like a moment in these playoffs. He's probably a year early. His team's probably not good enough. The Clippers is probably the wrong matchup, but, but I mean, it could happen. The guy, uh, plays way bigger than his age. He won the Euro league MVP. He's had, I think he led the league in triple doubles this year. Like, he's just like an absolute monster. He plays at his own pace. He lets the game come to him. He has um, every opportunity, I think, right now to, even if they don't win a first round series, to like establish himself as a guy who will not be an easy out in any playoff series, regardless of who he's playing against or who's on his team. Uh, That's a level that guys like, you know, Kobe and Dame and Harden, get to and I think Luca's I think Luke is going to prove that he's there
1: I don't think he's there as a scorer yet I really don't but we'll see
0: yeah I mean we'll see and he's got the toughest test imaginable which is the Clippers perimeter defense so um, I, I won't use this year as any kind of indictment of that um, but yeah and you might you might even be convincing me a little bit because you're right experience matters a lot and Harden's definitely got way more of that so moving on there's four guys left. I think we must have the same top four.
1: I'm sure we do, and I'm sure actually I'm not sure that we have the same number four. I have Damien Lillard fourth. Do you hear that clock? Because it's dame time. I got him four, too. <laughs> <laughs> I um, mean, that's, yeah. We both yeah. have him four.
0: I was expecting you to say you were gonna have him like first or something, but yeah, no, I have no, him four. I can't I have can't have him over those I other have, three. Yeah, I mean, there's three guys who have been in the conversation for best player in the league for about a year now, um, it's hard to put him ahead of any of those. It's hard to put him ahead of any of those guys. Some people might. Some people might put him one. I have him four. I mean, we've already said everything about Damian Lillard. The, a lot's been said about Damian Lillard. I just think it's important to understand that what he just did is so unique in terms of this bubble and what he needed to do, the position that his team was in, and the way his he talked career, about
1: it going into the bubble too. He was right. the one who advocated for the Blade. They're not going to go down there without a chance. So you you got to give it to that dude for back, yes. uh, backing up his Yeah, talk. there was
0: that report about the call of all the guys on the call, and he was like the only guy from like a non playoff team on it, basically advocating for like the little guys and saying, like, you know, yes, exactly what you're describing. We're not going to go down there if we don't have a chance. And now look at them. They're in the, they made the dance because of him. I also think that he occupies a very unique place in NBA history. There's only been six instances of someone walking off a playoff series with a shot. He's done it twice. He may never play in the NBA finals. um, But just like guys like um, Allen Iverson and Michael Vick, I think Damian Lillard's entering a place where his status in the sport far exceeds his uh, team accomplishments far exceeds.
1: Well, let me ask you this out of all your guys on your list. The game is tied with 24 seconds left. And you're going to run that Dame clock one. down. Dame. Exactly. One. Exactly. So it's like, Dame. yeah, he's over everybody on my list. It's just. So
0: I'm going to take, take a still shot of him pulling up from the logo and like squinting at the rim and hanging in my office for inspiration. He's an inspiration. He's amazing. Find me one basketball fan who doesn't love Damian Lillard right now. I mean, if you had any reservations before this. Paul he's George's family.
1: <laughs> <laughs> patrick beverly's kids uh, russell westbrook's family and friends right yep
0: fair that's fair yeah sam basic. Presti's whole uh, organization it's basically it. um yes no you're right i mean he's like he's special i love him i am rooting for the lakers i love lebron i want to see him get another trophy i want to see him get closer to michael uh but Dame. Uh, along with these other three guys are all really easy to root for. And um, I want to see them have an awesome, fun series with the Lakers. And I want to see them come back next year healthy, get a top four seed and be a real title contender next year. Healthy. I think that'd be awesome. Yeah. Cause maybe he can win the West. Maybe he can win a trophy. I'm not shoveling dirt on the guy's career. He still has everything in front of him, but it's hard to win a title and there should be other benchmarks for greatness other than winning a title and like, I can think of a hundred things to say about Dame that have nothing to do with team success about why he's a great player.
1: Yeah, I, I'm, right, I'm right there with you, my man.
0: Let's do the top three.
1: I mean, we, you know, it's the, th- the three best players for the last few years. I'm just yep. curious in which order you have them. I think we might, uh, my gut is telling me we, we have it the same. So what you yeah, want I'm me to afraid,
0: go? Th- I'm afraid you're right. I'm afraid you're right. I think <laughs> we will have it the same. <laughs> do you want go me ahead. to go three or you? Go ahead.
1: I'll go Giannis, number three. Giannis. Um, let's do it.
0: Let's do it. Who's two? Kawhi. Kawhi. Who's one?
1: The King. How are
0: LeBron. you not
1: going to take LeBron? You're <laughs> like not going to take LeBron. How can so you let's not have, take LeBron? Let's,
0: let's have this conversation. Let's widen the aperture to all three of them. So Johnny, guys. LeBron, we had the, Can, Kawhi, we, can I
1: just say we had the same top six except for Harden and Luca, one spot different. So we're yep. we got to stop hanging out so much.
0: I know. And I want to hear other people argue with us because I have a hard time thinking you can make a case for anyone else in that top six. Yeah. If you were uh, Mona Lisa Vito, could you make the case?
1: (laughs) For anyone in that top six?
0: For anyone Uh, outside the top six that they deserve to be considered in higher esteem. I think
1: there are some stat nerds and also just some basketball nerds who uh, would think Anthony Davis might be there.
0: Yeah, that, that's fair. That look at I mean, things- if you're saying best players in the league, Yeah, he, he probably does belong in the top six. Um, the crazy thing about it is, before we get into the top three conversation, KD and Steph are right there knocking at the door saying, we're as good as all of the guys in this list.
1: Well, KD and Steph, I would put in front of Giannis. that would, would have them at three and four.
0: Yes. Yeah, I agree with that. Healthy KD and Steph are th- probably three and four behind LeBron and Kawhi. You maybe could make. I mean, we got to see what healthy KD even looks like. You know, I think he will come back and be KD of old, but there's no guarantee of that. Steph, we got a glimpse. He still looks like Steph. Uh, LeBron and Kawhi to me are unassailable. I think you could make a case for Kawhi at one. I think you could make a case for Giannis at one, but I have LeBron. I one. I, Tell me why you have LeBron one.
1: I can't have Giannis one because of his playmaking abilities. It's it, it, I've seen too many teams. Shut down that paint, and until he gets that consistent jump shot, I can't take him offensively over Kawhi and LeBron. As far as defense, he's a defense player of the year. Like he, he's unbelievable. But with as I'm gonna add this part of it in with 24 seconds left, he's not even in my top 10. So it's it. I don't trust him offensively in clutch yet. I can't. I haven't seen it. And I don't know if his game can do it until I see it.
0: You say he's not even in your top 10. I'm going to push you on that.
1: With 24 seconds left?
0: You'd rather have him beat?
1: I'd rather have all the guys I listed, yes. And I would even take Paul, George, and Jason Tatum over him.
0: Wow. I can't say you're wrong. I can't say you're wrong because we've seen it. I mean, talking about him as a top three guy for a second. You can't put him over Kawhi because of what happened last year in the playoffs. I don't know, man. I don't think Giannis is ever going to be uh, like what LeBron and Kawhi and Jimmy Butler and Paul George are with the ball in his hand in, in a close game. Ball in his hands. Sorry. I'm not
1: asking him to. I want him to hit a jump shot like LaMarcus Aldridge. Can he do that?
0: LaMarcus Aldridge will hit a turnaround jump shot from about 15. I'm just saying you,
1: you add that part to his game. Then we're talking something different. That's all I'm saying.
0: Yeah, we're talking about a cheat code. We're talking about, I mean, the way I look at it, he's basically seven foot tall Russell Westbrook. The only thing he can't do is shoot just like Russ. And yeah, you need your best player to be a shot maker or at least a shot creator or someone that can consistently force the defense to bend, double team, foul, put you on the line.
1: Yep, because teams are going to let him shoot. They're going to sit back, so we'll see.
0: I love Giannis. I hope he does that. I mean, like I said, I root for LeBron. I also really like Kawhi. If Giannis becomes that guy in the playoffs, I'll be happy for him and excited for him.
1: Me too. I just want to see I have to see it.
0: Yes. I think we all have to see it. Giannis, I'm sure, wants to show it. I mean, he's had games where I think it was a Lakers game earlier in the season where he hit five threes and everyone was like, okay, this is over. Yeah. He's going to do that. <laughs> it's over. He's yeah. still only 25. Yeah. Like he's, you know, but I'm just not sure that that's his trajectory. And that fascinates me like if you're developing this guy if you're him like how do you view the best version of your game i think every nba player thinks that they should be able to go game time and just start pulling up and banging shots but i'm giannis just like the ball looks like a grapefruit in his hand i don't know if he's ever going to have the touch needed to do that
1: i just think of dudes like you know as i said lamarcus and even on a better level like kg like hit that mid-range jumper with consistency and your whole game changes you know that's
0: true I think about guys like Shaq and Tim Duncan, where it's like, get in the low block,
1: yeah, but put that's your not shoulder the game under no the backboard and do it. That's not the game no more, Johnny.
0: It is for guys like Joel Embiid. Yeah, and maybe Giannis is more Embiid than Embiid is. Than <laughs> I
1: think I think Giannis is more Joel Embiid than Joel Embiid is because yeah, I mean, just
0: because you are a bolt of lightning in transition and you run like a deer doesn't mean you should have your. Like, you should be facing the basket with the game on the line. That's yeah. what I look
1: at it. Yeah. Uh,
0: because Giannis in the post, regardless of who's on him, is a problem.
1: The thing about dudes like Duncan and Shaq, too, like, they, in big spots, a lot of their teammates hit the shots. Like, the, it's it's hard to go down and just let a dude take it on the post with the game. Like, it's it's not...
0: You're right. I don't remember... we mentioned... We've mentioned Kobe and Tony Parker and, and, and uh, Derek Fisher in this podcast for yeah. a reason.
1: Yes, That's so That's what I'm saying. Like big guys in the last minute, it's, the game changes. It does.
0: So so if we were doing this exercise in 2002, would you still have Shaq as the number one guy or would
1: you put Kobe ahead of him? Whoa, now you're making me think. 2002, uh, I would have Shaq. <laughs> <laughs> Giannis down low is not Shaq down low.
0: That's a great point. That's a great point. All right, so Kawhi versus LeBron. Why Kawhi uh, behind LeBron for you?
1: I never thought LeBron would have someone this close to him, and even in those years, with when people would say KD is the second best, I still think there was a gap. I think Kawhi is closer to LeBron than KD ever was. Maybe that's also because LeBron's getting older. But like, I just it's right. too it's so close between those two. What specifically? He's about LeBron. You know he he. Gets his teammates more involved. You know, he led the league in assists this year. He yep. he's been there, he's done that. Kawhi's been there and done that too, but he's mm-hmm. had of you know, some breaks. We all they all get breaks, but especially last year he got some big breaks with KD and Stat, and Clay. Um and I like LeBron's playmaking ability more. Um, then I like Kawhi's, and in crunch time, Kawhi's by far the best on-ball defender. But LeBron's right there when he wants to, so it, it's close. And LeBron's just the ultimate captain, so I'm taking LeBron over Kawhi.
0: Yeah, it's close. I mean, when you compare their games, obviously they're very, very similar. LeBron is more athletic, running and jumping, especially like in transition, chase down blocks fast break offense Kawhi is more deliberate with his pace but every bit as effective in the half court especially and even in even in transition I mean Kawhi has this like slow-mo quality where he's just gonna like move how he wants to move he's gonna put his shoulder into your chest and he's gonna finish regardless of who you are or how fast he's moving um but I think LeBron there's there's just a bit of a um there's a bit of a more of like a jumping off the screen quality when you watch LeBron play versus Kawhi. Still, even with LeBron being what, seven, eight years older than Kawhi. I mean, LeBron, it's hard not to put past performance into it. LeBron's one of the best players who ever lived. Kawhi's entering that conversation, but LeBron has been there for a long time. He's the chosen one. Uh, It's, it's his crown. um, You know, no pun intended. It's his crown to uh, relinquish, Kawhi's the reigning champ. I, that, this is why we need to see it. LeBron versus Kawhi, the oh, reckoning for the Western Conference.
1: Can't wait if it happens.
0: And if Kawhi beats LeBron, all things considered, he'll probably be considered better than LeBron right now.
1: Not necessarily. I mean, we can get into this another time in a future pod, but the Clippers, we've had this argument, are a better team. So it, well, a know. lot of
0: people would put Kawhi one now. Or Giannis won now. I mean, Kawhi especially because he's the champ. He's beat LeBron in the playoffs before. Plus, like you like LeBron. You root for LeBron. A lot yeah. of people hate LeBron. Fair. A lot of people would say LeBron doesn't show up always in big moments. He, he folds. He caves. If he feels like he doesn't have a chance, he's not going to go all the way. There's a, lot, there's a lot of nitpicking that could happen. I'm with you. I like LeBron. I root for him. I don't hold any of that past stuff against him. And I also think, and this might sound crazy, but I think he's better now than he's ever been. I know he's not he can't do all of the things athletically that he's always done, but his intelligence, his command of the game, I think he's the best player in the league. I'm I gonna, think he's the best version of himself now.
1: No, I'm pushing back on that. I think I'm pri- I think prime Heat LeBron and 2015-2016 LeBron in the finals is prime. Prime LeBron.
0: Heat LeBron almost went 1 and 3 in the finals. Yeah, I'm
1: thinking more like regular season for that guy. He was just an athletic freak. But no, I think an athletic
0: freak, but that's what I'm saying. He wasn't his playmaking is better now. His court vision is better. His decision making is better. That's fair. His command of the game to me is better. That's fair. And his shooting is better. He's a better long range shooter now than he's ever been in his career. He's a worse free throw shooter, which is kind of weird. You're right, his athleticism has dipped. They won 27 games in a row or whatever, and he was like average shooting 60% from the field and um, you know, didn't miss a free throw for two weeks. But then they got into the playoffs and could have lost to the Spurs. So Yeah. Um, so to me, LeBron James right now is like aging like wine. And um, <laughs> I think he's the best. I wouldn't take past LeBron over current LeBron. I really wouldn't.
1: That's, another, that's a talk for another day. That's a good one. Yeah, though. I mean, we kind of just had it, but we'll leave it, we'll leave it where we <laughs> left it.
0: Um, that's it, man. That's any last final thoughts. By the time people hear this, the games are probably going to start getting played. You know, we're going to have even more stuff to react to, but just here we sit. Uh, playoffs, best players in the league. Anything else you want to say before we go?
1: How good it is to have basketball back. I mean, with everything going on, um, I hope people are out there trying to stay safe, stay healthy. Yeah. Um, but to have basketball back as... Something that not only entertains us, but unites us, um, yeah, like even personally, with me and you, we've been talking a lot more just with all these games going on. It's just It's just good to have back, yeah. and I, I'm happy to be doing this with you, man. Let's do another one.
0: That's true, man. That's really great perspective. and you you touch on a lot of things that you know, maybe we can get into another time, but the way that the league, the way that the NBA and the WNBA are pulling this off is so remarkable and so commendable. The way that they're using social justice, um, using, uh, let me say that differently. The way that they're using this platform to advance social justice initiatives in all kinds of different ways, I think has been a success, in my opinion. I think they have done an incredible job with that. And I mean, they had a luxury that not every other sport had in terms of like, they just need to finish their season. We'll see where they're at with the start of next season, which is where baseball and to some degree, the WNBA, even though their season's shorter, and the NFL have had to reconcile, like, how do we do this A to Z and not just, you know, WXYZ, which is kind of what the playoffs uh, are going to be. It's just the continuation or the conclusion of a season, not an entire season. But they set an example that I'm surprised baseball and football haven't tried uh, more aggressively to follow. I think they set an example that hockey is probably going to have a good time, like, following and, um, and like you said, man, like the real winners are just us, the fans, <laughs> they're delivering us something amazing and, uh, you know, needed and desired and unprecedented. And I just want the, um, I want this to be a success story, not just for the player, the league, but the players, you know, I hope the players, it seems like they're taking it seriously, but I hope that when they let the fans or the families in that there's not some sort of breach, you know, I hope we get a satisfying conclusion that also kind of reinforces that like the players in this league are responsible guys who can not only handle everything that comes along with everything that's being asked of them but more than that you know they take on more um, and they are like real leaders and it's 2020 we have an election going on a lot of these guys are looking to change us political history while trying to win a championship the nba and is that's, different
1: it's different it's it, it's, it's different. such a good institution um it's special yeah
0: I agree, man. And so we'll talk about how baseball is just absurd. And even though you're not watching, we'll talk about that next time. We'll talk about football and the um, possible demise of college football as we know it (laughs) next time. Um, But in the meantime, I'm John Fontanelli with and for Andrew Wydell. Thanks for listening to the Late Whistle Podcast. Subscribe wherever you get podcasts. And we'll talk to you guys very soon. Peace. Mm -hmm.